Good morning, sunrise. Good morning, good morning. It is a beautiful November fall morning. It's a Sunday morning. Why don't you stand with us? My name is Joe Nyheis. Uh, I'm going to be uh, leading worship this morning. We are without our uh, typical fearless leader, Dan Dupuis, as you'll notice. We're also without Dan Fisher this weekend, but we will carry on. Uh, we have a wonderful service planned. Uh, yeah, we're just going to get started with uh, a time of worship. We're so happy you're all here. Not survive when we pray. You've got to 
You are so good. Uh, you are faultless. 
uh, and you are relentless in your pursuit uh, of us and the pursuit of your desire for this world uh, and your desire for our lives. Uh, may we find peace in that. Uh, may we feel your presence always uh, and always know that you are, again, reckless in your pursuit of us. All these things in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, Sunrise. I'm glad you're here. Uh, if this is, happens to be your first time with us or you're relatively new, we encourage you to get connected with us. A couple of ways to do that. There's a QR code. Sometimes it appears behind me. It's kind of spooky. But uh, they're, they're scattered on the chairs all throughout the room, so grab that QR code, scan it with your phone, and you'll find some nice, easy ways to get connected with Sunrise. So we hope you'll do that. Uh, we have today Sunrise Kids Safety Meeting. It's happening online, uh, and it's at 1 p.m. today. So check that through the announcement email that goes out or through our Facebook page. You can get connected with that and be a part of that presentation. So Thanksgiving Food Drive says November 14th, which I'm pretty sure is a Saturday. Is that right? So... It's, it's next Saturday, right? Not next Sunday. So next Saturday, we're going to have our food, food drive serving day. So I hope you'll make a plan to be... A, is that right, Julie? It is Sunday. So it says the 14th, but I'm pretty sure that's the 15th. Is today the 7th? There you go. See? I mean, nobody, nobody tells me anything. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Okay, so we... <clears throat> Thank you, Noah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I am getting older. I, I, you know, that's my only excuse. So um, there's a sign-up process, which is kind of cool. And I, I actually just did it. I, I looked at it online before we got here, and I just did it on my phone. I signed up for one of the serving engagements on my phone. So you can do that if you go to the Facebook page or the announcement page. Um, you can actually get into the little sign-up tool, kind of cool, and that way everybody knows, you know, and you can see who else has lined up for that same engagement, so kind of cool. All right. Hey, so thanks for being here this morning. We're looking forward to it. Thanks. Hi, everyone. We're Bren, Austin, and Gwen, and we need your help. It's easy in life to go your own way, turning away from others based on whatever you can find as an excuse to say, hey, it's just not worth the effort. I'm here to say it is worth it. You are worth it. And other people are worth it too. For anyone waiting on the sidelines, it's time to get back in the game. With your support, we're looking to feed 250 families. So let's work together to bless those in need in our community. Besides, the Bible says, I mean, there's a verse, What's wrong? I forgot to look up what the Bible says about this. I got it. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Good works didn't save us. Jesus did. But through our good works, we can remind others who Jesus is. As Christians, part of our calling is to reflect Christ's love. That's the reason for this to show our community that God still loves and cares about them. And that is really what this Thanksgiving food drive is all about. That was awesome. Thanks, Bren. Oh man, I have this weird feeling on my face that keeps messing with me. You're happy, you're smiling. I'm not sure how I feel about that. You feel happy. Thank you both for your help in presenting this. Absolutely, you make a pretty awesome team. The script says, End in ad-libs, witty banter? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, come on, Bryn. You know better than that. You just broke the fourth wall. I broke what? I'm just reading what the script says. What am I supposed to do? Let's just bag it. Oh, I see what you did there. Clever.
How's everyone doing today? Sunshine shirt. Sunshine ministries, right? Sunrise. Sunshine. Well, we're fitting outside, so hopefully you guys share the sunrise all around you. Uh, well, thank you first for having me here today. Um, I met Dan Fisher about a month ago, and if you know Dan Fisher, um, he's, he's not shy to kind of ask what's going on, <laughs> and so I think it was like after our second time having, well, actually, no, it was our first time having coffee together. He was like, hey, I got this surgery coming up, then there's this date I'm supposed to be preaching at. Would you mind uh, filling in for me? I was like, I just met you. <laughs> but... He, he seemed like a solid guy, so we had coffee again. And I just wanted to pick his brain a little bit. Um, he was a little bit closer to his surgery. And uh, he was like, yeah, no, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be good. You know, we've got some good people over there. I've been able to meet quite a few of you. The worship team, you guys are amazing. Thank you for help with setup this morning. Um, Penny, I don't know if you're in here. I know she's probably over there tackling the little kids right now. But it was good just chatting with her this morning just to get a little feel of... Um, a little bit what Sunrise is about, and um, you guys are, you guys do a lot more things than um, what it would look like as far as ministry-wise. You guys are not just in your building, you guys are in your community as well, and so those are one thing, that's, that's something that speaks to my heart, and actually it's like um, almost perfect in alignment with what we got going on today as far as teaching. Um, I'll give you a little backstory on myself. My name is Henry Charles Cherry IV. Um, I'm from Holland, Michigan. I've lived there for the majority of uh, my life. Um, this is my amazing family over here, minus one, our oldest. If you've got a teenager, you realize the weekends are the best time they can work, so that don't interfere with school. So she, our oldest, Jada, is at work right now at Target. But then we'll go down the, the line here. We've got Henry, Charles Cherry, the fifth. The best, the best version of us. We have Charlie Deed. We have Sade, a.k.a. Super Sade, if you know her. You might get a little chance to see some Super Sade. And then we got Afeni, our youngest. Uh, she just, yeah, you're one years old. Yes. Um, and my wife, who is the glue that holds us all together, because otherwise we'd be, it'd be pretty messy. <laughs> So Lindsay is my wife. Uh, we have been blessed to be married for just over 10 years. Um, it was in a time where, like, I think I was wrestling with what the Lord was going to do with me and what he was calling me to, because um, I was living in Chicago at the time. Um, I was, like I said, I'm from Holland, but I moved out there. I'd been out there for about four years, and uh, for me, it was just, I needed, I needed a little bit of a change. Like, I grew up in a smaller town, and it was like, hey... You know, I'm in my early 30s at this time. Um, it has to be something a little bit different. I'd rather go to a place where people don't even know my name, <laughs> you know, and be able to walk around and hang out. Because um, if you know Holland, I mean, you guys are in Hudsonville, so you guys know how small that is um, and how you don't really get a lot of uh, secluded time or isolated time. Um, and so... In that period of time in my life, that's kind of what I was looking for. Um, the Lord let me have it, but then he had something else in mind as well. Um, so I'm going to share with you just a little bit about kind of where we're at and how we got here. Uh, my, so my, when I came back to Holland, uh, I got involved in ministry, but it was more working with youth um, through, a, through a church partnership. Um, it was a summer program. And it allowed me to see Holland a little bit different because I was able to build some relationships with, with these young people, and we were working with middle school age students. Um, now, there were some high school ages there as well with some youngers. Um, but what, we, what, we, what I start recognizing was um, kind of some of the things that were going on in our city that necessarily ne they don't hit your newspaper or they're not on the news or you're not getting a postcard that hits your door saying of activity but more of uh, some areas where um, we could use a high dosage of, of God. In. And so 
in this space, I was seeing some middle schoolers struggling with some things um, that led to, I got a taste of working with young people, and I would have told you that before I did, I would have never saw myself in that space working with uh, youth, because I know what kind of youth I was. And so I knew I could give you a run for your money, and I didn't know, at that point in time, I didn't have the patience necessary. And so, but God equips you for things, right? Um, so I'll share a little bit about just like being a dean of students um, at, at Holland High School. Uh, my wife was teaching. At this time, she was a seventh grade teacher at uh, Harbor Lights, so West Ottawa, so on the north side of town. Um, and you get a lot, of, you get this position, and you get some different job responsibilities and some things and some goals that you have to do to meet. Um, but what they didn't prepare me for was for what I was going to learn from working with students and then working with their families. And so I went in there, yep, you got to do this. Dean of students, no one really likes that person because when you show up to the classroom, normally it's not something or it's not a good conversation to be had. Or if you come to the office, definitely not. You might be going home. Um, but, it, but in that, uh, God began to show me some things of like I had a set idea of, of what I thought was going on and I thought what the student needed. And in that, it was a conversation. I, I remember the young man's name was Michael Ruano. He was an eighth grader. Uh, and it was my first semester working with him. And he really didn't seem like he had a lot of buy-in in, in class when it came to math. Um, but then if I got him one-on-one and we did some of the work, he was pretty sharp. Uh, but class setting didn't really work. He didn't really seem engaged in what was going on. Um, so we would talk, because I was like, man, you know, not doing your work is actually going to get you in trouble. And you're not going to be able to, you know, proceed to graduate. And so this was probably about, about a month and a half into our relationship of he and I. We'd meet once, once a week. I had about 50 students I worked with. I met with them about once a week for about 10 to 15 minutes. And we had like three things we were checking on was uh, where they're at with their academics, where they're at with um, attendance, and where they're at with their homework. It wasn't until Mike trusted me a little bit that he was able to share one of those components that wasn't on that, che- in the, on that sheet that we needed to check in with. He shared with me about home, and he shared with me about his mother who was going through uh, depression. And so she was struggling with, um, with some issues of her own. And so what that did was, Mike being the oldest child in the house, he then had to operate more like a parent which led to Mike then having to not be able to have some freedoms that our youth, whether you recognize it or not, not having the responsibilities that you have being young is actually a good thing. Because when you get to a certain age, um, some of us wish we can give some of them back. And so with this conversation with Mike, he starts sharing with me that, you know, some some of his anxiety he was dealing with on performing here at school was based on what he was going to go home to. So Mike didn't know if he was going to go home to a pot of food sitting on the stove that he was going to be able to eat from, because if there wasn't, that means mom had a bad day and she probably didn't get out of the bed due to, uh, due to depression. And so then that put Mike in a spot, because he did have a younger sibling. Now Mike had to be the one who was going to go warm up the meal cook it, heat it up, go across the street, purchase it, whatever. But he was now that person. So homework wasn't really at the top of his list on what was important. Um, and so, with, and so I, I say that to say it, it taught me uh, a different way of approaching Mike and having a conversation with Mike. Mike trusted me enough to be able to share with me something that I don't think he had shared with any one of his classmates, maybe a friend or two that went to the house. But outside of that, Mike hadn't shared that with anyone. Um, and so it allowed me to, okay, how do I serve Mike different? What are some of the different conversations um, that I need to have with Mike based off of not just homework, but on life? Um, and so it moved to a spot of community. It's like what we love, though, but also what do we need to learn in community? Um, because Mike has some lessons to teach me that I thought being the adult and being the person in um, authority had all the answers to. Uh, what Mike taught me was that there's our needs that go unmet that are more than surface deep. We don't see them. 
just because a kid comes in and he's smiley. And I'm, I'm only saying a child just because we're speaking about Mike, but I'm just talking about in general. Um, and yet there's a, there's a piece that if you're going to be in relationship with someone like Mike or any others like that, there's something that we, like, we have to let go of, which is um, a narrative that we may think plays out in those spaces or that we know what's best for that person. And so that could get us in a spot where things get a little messy. We could be wrong. We could be in a spot to learn. We could, some things that we believe could be challenged. And some of those things can, can be found out not to be true. One thing I learned from Mike was it doesn't matter how bad you want to be good at something. There are sometimes things and barriers that are in place that prevent you from really being who you're called to be. And so, as us, like the song said, we serve a God who's willing to knock down walls, tear down lies. It's not just God to us, but it's also what we're called to do in working with God and what God has called us to do in his will. Um, There's a quote. So I'm in Western Seminary as well right now. We are reading some pretty challenging material. And it's about creating um, a healthy community in Christ. And so uh, this quote is by uh, Christine DePaul, um, and the book is Living in Community. She writes, Communities in which we grow and flourish, however, last over time and are built by people who are faithful to one another and committed to a shared purpose. I'll say that one more time. Communities in which we grow and flourish, however, last over time and are built by people who are faithful to one another and committed to a shared purpose. I don't know if you guys are doing any book studies right now. This is a great book to throw in there. I can give you it afterwards, but it is a great tool to use if you're trying to develop community inside your building and out. Um, And hearing that, Sounds like there's some sacrifice that has to take place in that, too. Sounds like there's some commitment that needs to take place in there, too. And it sounds like there's some shared responsibility in that as well. And so when, when, I, look, when I look at that, there's a scripture that comes up. Um, that I really, I feel like this convers- like this, this quote really leads us into and really flushes out kind of some of the things that are going on in here. Um, and it's in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. And it is talking about a generous and growing church. And it says, So those who accepted the message were baptized. And, the, and in that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. We're going to get back to those three right there. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they, so they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all. Anyone had a need... And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from those houses to house, from house to house. And they ate their food gladly and, and it's with a simple heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Thanks be to God for that. So... What would you hear in that? I don't know. I, I wish I could be like a fly on, on the wall or someone just hanging out. and like. I, what, what were they seeing? What did they see that led them to want to go let other people know? That themselves felt like they wanted to be there and be a part of it. Um, there's, a, there's a group that I listen to called Maverick City. I don't know if anybody's listened to that. Praise and worship team, maybe 
boom, boom. There's a song called Jubilee, and it talks about the year of the Lord and Jubilee and all things being righted and all things being coming back, reconciled unto the Lord. And I feel like it's talking about a number of these different things where it's saying that people were added. I feel like, and this is just my thoughts, help me out, because I, I, I know this is the church that you guys talk back and forth. I saw what, what our brother up here that was, was giving a message. We had some out here. So help me with that. What, what are some things that you think that they may have saw that attracted them to it? Because they said they accepted the teachings and were baptized, and then they stepped into community with individuals. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people, there's like 3,000 people, so I'm pretty sure they weren't all from the same spot. They didn't probably grow up in the same community. They probably weren't from the same neighborhood. But yet, they came together for one purpose. Anybody want to help me out? Now, I, we do have education in our blood, so I don't have a mind. I have a problem calling on people in the crowd. <laughs> so, give me one. Just give me one thing. What do you What do you think? One of you. What do you What do you think they may have saw? And you could just yell out. Excuse me. A common cause. I definitely. Said so they came together for one purpose. Anyone else? Healings. Oh, I, bet, I guarantee somebody was getting some hands laid on them. A sense of belonging. Sense of belonging. Yep. I guarantee that was that too. Anyone else? Acceptance. Acceptance. So what if they, what they saw was someone actually saw them for who they were and who God created them to be and allowed them, not allowed them, but pursued them, just like the song said, Pursued them to be a part of this community. Not, not just to have an added number, but because what they saw in them. You have worth, right? And so if we know we have this group right here, what we want to do is keep adding to the group and keep adding to the worth of it and keep extending ourselves. So what will we do? We see you. We need to add you because you bring, you bring value into our group. I guarantee you that's some of the stuff. People were seeing themselves in that group. They were seeing themselves, others that had maybe been outcasted, maybe blind, maybe had disabilities. I don't know. Were maybe told that they were unclean. I guarantee they saw a mixture of that in that group. Did it take something? For, did they have to lose something to step in that group? I bet so. You probably had to lose something. You probably had to lose the, the thought of I and it more have a posture of we. That it wasn't about me. That it was more about us. That even if Say if it was like a, I don't know, they used to do these a long time ago. They are called church conventions, right? And a group of people from one church and another church and another church and another church, they would go off to this convention. It might be like a weekend. They'd hang out, sing songs together, but then they would leave and go back. What if they stayed for a little bit? What if when they went with the people... They stay connected to them in some way to where they can talk and encourage each other about what was going on in the full body of Christ. Because we're called, we're called to serve love, but not just in our space, though. We're called, we're called to do it at a, at a kingdom level. So when I say kingdom level, that means like what Sunrise Ministries is doing here has vibrations in the kingdom. And so... When I see collecting food out there, when I talk to Penny and I hear about her going, like you guys had a team go to the trailer parks to do VBS. That's not, that's not the church. That's being the church. That's the action of the church. You're not only here, but you're, you're affecting what is around you as well. I, I got to tell you, um, I felt encouraged by hearing that. There's not a lot of churches that are connected with their school systems. 
that take time out of their day to go find out what is the need of the school, right? Who, who, who better know what's going on in your city? I don't know. Uh, teachers, I give you all the kudos in the world, and that's because I was married to one. But you guys are on the front line. You see and deal with things that other people don't know and don't recognize. And so how can the church partner with different organizations? How can the church partner with the school system? Yeah, we know we can't go in there and um, evangelize, but they never said we couldn't go in there and show what Jesus looked like to move in those spaces. Whether that be in lunch, be in the classroom, we can do all those things. But there's some, there's some things that I feel like, um, I think sometimes we don't feel like we're necessarily called to do that, and that's for somebody else to do. And so I, I would really encourage you, especially you already have the ministry going on, you guys are already in those areas, if you haven't been able to go there, I would tell you, you're probably missing out on seeing what God is doing. And where God is moving you at. And what God may be calling you to. Because it's not, he's not just calling the ones that are there. They're there for a reason. They're, they're actually setting up shop for the rest of you to come with them. And to connect with those that are there in that community. So I, I even look at it as... Um, I think when I first met Dan, I had just transitioned from a position. Uh, I was a director of local engagement um, at Christ Memorial Church in Holland, Michigan. Nice size church. Already were doing some things. They had uh, uh, birthed Kids Hope. I don't know if you are aware of Kids Hope. Kids Hope is where a mentor or a mentor in your building goes into the school has a student that they work with one time a week. They go do lunch with them. Pretty good program. It was a way we were, please don't take this the wrong way. It was a way we were to get our more mature members <laughs> plugged back in. We know you got grandpa and grandma duties, and you've invested your time very well in the church. And so what we wanted to do was like, hey, this is a way where, you know, you still got gifts. You still have opportunity to serve. And so they were plugged in and they, they ran away with it. And they were doing it. But what we know is that, like, that's an hour, right? It's pretty tough to, to produce a lot of change. If you're a school teacher, you have your students for about 40 hours a week. It's pretty challenging in that time frame, 40 hours a week, to see a, a, lot, of, a lot of amount of change. So what, it, what would it look like for us not just to do ministry in the church or just, oh, what'd you say? Yeah, in the schools too. Yeah. What if there wasn't any barriers? Because the song sung like God rips down the barriers, right? So what if we were able to do ministry in the home, in the school, and in our community? What does that look like? Do, do you think that we have a greater impact? Because what I don't think we, as a church, I think we need to stop asking for permission to do what we're, we've been told to do and stop asking for people to, hey, why don't you guys come out? Why don't, what if we were the ones leading it? What if we were the ones that were setting the, setting the atmosphere in our city, in our schools, in our neighborhoods? What, what, would, what, would, what, would, what would that look like? So, like I said, this was more of just a, a conversation with you um, because I think it looks like it looks like a lot like when Jesus was rejected in Nazareth when he, when he came there and he unrolled the, the scrolls and uh, 
He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. See, I thought my glasses, I just got these. I thought they had a little bit more power than that, so I got to pick this up. He said, huh? No, don't need more medicine right now. <laughs> this is enough. So we just got glasses, as you can see. And uh, I probably needed glasses for, I don't know, maybe 10 years, what, the, what my doctor told me, and I've just been out here, you know, making, making my way without it. So it says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I think it looks a lot like that. I think what we do and what, where we go out and what we're doing, I think it looks a lot like that. And it looks like a lot of those are the individuals we're called to. So if we look at relationship being at the center point of all of it, if, if relationship wasn't that important, I think Jesus probably would have stayed in the throne room. He wouldn't have came down with us. But it had to have been important because he had to come see something. What, what he, this is God, right? What does God need to come down here and see? If he wanted to see what does it actually look like to move, to wrestle in some of these spaces with some of the conflicts that we deal with, with some of the division we deal with in this world. And he wanted to be in it, not look at it from a distance. He wanted to be in the middle of it. It says it right here. And, and I think some of these names, when we say proclaim freedom to the captives, the oppressed, the widows, those, those God's people still exist. I mean, we're using titles here. Some of that stuff is still here. When I think of a, a widow, for me, in my mind, and this is just myself, I think of a, a single parent or a single mom of someone who's trying to navigate that space. God's called us to be whatever we're needed in that situation. Someone, I, I guarantee when you guys are in the trailer park or even maybe there's a neighbor on your block Someone feels oppressed, whether it be by um, a past issue that they've gone through. I guarantee the mom, I guarantee Mike's mom felt oppressed by depression. I guarantee she didn't want to be dealing with that. So I just asked the question, what, what can we do with what's been put in our hands? I see what you are doing, Sunrise, but what might God be calling you to even more so, because I heard you guys used to not even have a building three years ago. You guys were a mobile ministry. I love that. It forces you to actually go to spaces that you might not go and go and do ministry with people you might not do ministry with. What would it look like for a component of Sunrise Ministries to be, still be ministries without walls, to where no matter where you go, we're setting up camp. We're going to do what we're called to do. What does that look like? You know better than me. I'm not going to ask. So hopefully you guys talk amongst yourselves afterwards. So this is just a word of encouragement as you, you have orders. You have your marching orders. We all do as believers and those who are called to be vehicles of Christ. Um, to continue ministering to, uh, to families, to neighborhoods, to individuals, whether they're in our family or not. What does that look like for the next year? I know you guys have done some things differently with COVID. Um, it's maybe pushed you out a little bit more so. But what does VBS look like two years from now? What if that VBS is like the seeds of a church plant in that parking lot or that trailer park. Who said you can't do church in a trailer? What if one of your marching orders are we want to be invested completely with our school and so we got an elementary over here and what we want to do is we want to go work with all the teachers in the building. We got 17 teachers in there. What would it look like if we partnered up 
two by two and served our teachers. As simple as dry erasers, some simple school supplies. I don't think you know how big of a blessing that is for the individual that's in the, that's in the margin doing that work. What, what if we were a church that just served and that was our main posture? We served other ministries of how they can fully be who they are and who God has called them to be. It sounds like we're being a little bit more of the body than being just an arm or a leg. And I think really what God is calling us to is to really look at the full body of Christ and like how do we, how do we live into that? Because I've never seen an arm that didn't need a leg. I've never seen a leg that didn't need an arm. And so what does it look like us doing ministry together? What, what does that look like? I think in this area where you're at, um, it will cause some, some people to start t- talking. They might pop up and be like, what's going on over there at Sunrise Ministries? They might even bring somebody with them to come see what's going on at Sunrise. They might sign up to do what Sunrise is doing and to be a part of the ministry. I truly feel like that's what God's calling us to as the body, is to fully like look at not just our own space, but what's out on the fringe too. What is called, he's called us to a time right now, but what is this setting up for here, for later? And so with that, there's three things that Scripture said that added to the body. Fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. It almost sounds like too simple <laughs> in a way. It sounds too simple. Like that three things and that adds to community. But I think if we get to the, the realness of it and not the things that, not if it's, uh, what is it, not my will, Lord, but your will be done, I think it does get that simple. Because I think a lot of it is the stuff that, like, and I'm just speaking for my own self, there's certain songs I want to hear when I come to church. I don't always want to be challenged on a message. Because this Sunday I might have just wanted to receive something good and feel good and walk out. But what is, it, but what is he calling us to? Because really, he's calling us to be able, to, in my space, if I'm connecting with you, Lord, that's going to have vibrations around me. That's going to be something for someone over here. Then I'm called to live to more than just myself. Sorry to finish. It's off. It's gone. So that might be summing up time right there, though. Um, but no, please feel encouraged that what you're doing, you're walking into what God's called you to. About what that looks like. Maybe it might be one of you that he's calling to do something. To move the church in a different direction. Or to solidify what you're doing. But if you're not willing to step out and go experience that and put your eyes on it, you know the Lord, he'll find somebody else. But he wants you too, though. Thank you. Thank you so much, Henry. Uh, yeah, such a valuable uh, reminder. Uh, and I think as we enter now back into a time uh, of worship, uh, we'll have an opportunity to give of our tithes and offerings. Uh, there's a spot in the back. There'll be a QR code up on the screen. Um, uh, and, and that mission and that work of going out into the community uh, is fueled by the generosity right, of, uh, of our tithes and offerings. Um, and they are so filled with purpose uh, and have such tangible effects. Um, uh, for so many of us uh, in, the, like, in the congregation of Sunrise, but obviously uh, for those uh, in the community around us. So we're going to sing one more song, uh, and as we do, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to give our tithes and offerings.
don't you stand with us? Scripture says that we should raise them up in the way they should go. So I'm passing the mic for the blessing. Yeah. You got it? Mm -hmm. Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. 
The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord make look with favor on you and give you peace. Amen. And with that same peace, we send you off today. Uh, may the Lord be with you. May he challenge you. May he provide all the others things that you need throughout the week. Thank you for having us. God bless.